This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 460, recorded on September 17th, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a very beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Fall has arrived, and you guys know I like fall, and I appreciate it in every way. It's beautiful out there. And of course, we post a show with world-class show notes. Now, today, and I'm going to introduce them here in just a second, today we got some really good show notes. You're going to want to head out. As Daniel talks about what he's going to do, you're going to want to head out and capture those show notes because there's a lot to get, do out there. But they'll be at theaverageguy.tv slash HGG460. I mentioned him just a second ago, but Daniel J. Lewis is joining us tonight. He uh, from the Audacity to Podcast. And Daniel was on seven and a half years ago. Uh, home Tech, no, Home Tech Interview is what I called it back in that day, number four. Not even a Home Gadget Geeks came on and we talked about audio. Daniel, welcome back. Thank you so much, Jim. It's It's been a long, long time getting yeah. from here to there, but it's good to talk to you again. It's good good to have you. A lot's gone on in our lives and uh, lots of things have happened. Three March 8th, 2013 is the date that you are here. And, um, and we talked about audio. Uh, so if you want to go back, you can just put in Daniel J. Lewis. You'll find him out there. We can go back and, and talk about that. Um, Daniel, have you sit tight for a second here. We're going to spend, if you're coming in on YouTube and you, you came in because we've got the subject, which is RGB lighting that we're going to kind of talk about, hang tight. We got some community stuff to go through and then we'll get to that stuff. Daniel, I always get those comments. like took them 10 minutes to get to the point. We're like, well, that's the point. That's kind of what we do here. So hang tight for me. Um, oh, one second. One is, um, I've been using pod page. Daniel, have you seen, have you seen pod page? Yes. It's a service that when I first saw it, I thought, really, I don't think we need this. But then after I looked at it, I thought, oh yeah, we need this. <laughs> it's really, really good. In fact, I'm going to just get rid of my app. So I've, I've had an app. I've had an iPhone and a Android app. I've been paying 99 bucks each for that. Uh, big thanks to our Patreon subscribers who help me pay for that um, every year. But I, I think people are moving away from dedicated apps. I just find like most people that are listening to podcasts or listening to it on their own player. Don't you think most people yeah, are I on think player? So too. There was that classic thing that, yeah, people know how to install an app better than they know how to listen to a podcast. But I think that delta is so much smaller now that we should just tell people to subscribe in their podcast app. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And okay, wait a minute. Before we go too much farther, you've got a great service as well. Like, there's probably nobody that knows podcast and podcast numbers better than you. Can you give us a, just a, give give us a one minute little promo of your plugin that helps podcasters? I made a WordPress plugin. Is that what you're referring to? That yes. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've made several things for yeah, podcasters. Yeah. That's what I do is I make stuff for podcasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the WordPress plugin, and uh, Jim is probably one of the power users of it, is called Social Subscribe and Follow Icons, or for short, Subscribe and Follow. And it gives you, I think at this point, more than 50 different icons, vector icons that you can put on your website, make them into buttons, make them into icons that adjust the colors and such to match, and fonts to match the rest of your site, so that you can put these handy subscription and follow icons or buttons on your site. And when I created it, I used to 
code this stuff completely manually for some of my clients and for myself. And I thought I could make a plugin for this. And it it helps podcasters. It helps social media people. Like it's the only place, I think it might be the only plugin that has a vector stitcher icon in it, or for a while it was at least, but it's got, you know, all of the other ones in there. It's had an Amazon icon for a while. So if you're excited about having your podcast on Amazon music, you can already use the Amazon icon there. You could use the Amazon icon for something else, you know, support us through our Amazon affiliate link. That's not quite their policy though, but things like that, that you can do Twitter buttons, Patreon buttons, all kinds of things, GitHub, almost anything you can think of is in it or simply request it and it will be in it. And that's at subscribeandfollow.com. Yeah, let me let me just show it really quick because I, I, I'm i super proud of the work. You can see these icons right here. I've got them on the page that are available. And then if you go to theaverageguide.tv slash subscribe or you just click the subscribe button, you'll actually see the all the ways you can subscribe to the audio for Home Gadget Geeks, the video, because we have, we have a video RSS feed. Why wouldn't you? So, uh, Cyber Frontiers, same thing uh, that are out there. And Daniel makes all these uh, available. I, you, I can customize them. They're super great. So if you were wondering like, hey, how do I subscribe? Or how do I find the YouTube channel? Or where do I go on Facebook? Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. This is all Daniel. Daniel, you're also doing a bunch of stats around. And I think this is the really nerdy stuff. Because I think you're one of the few who's got a really good handle on how many active podcasts are there today? If I asked you that question, could you tell me? Oh, yeah. I've got the number in front of me. One <laughs> Wait, active podcasts. Okay. That gets into technical <laughs> definitions, though, because then it's like, how do you define active? Yeah. But uh, what I would define active as uh, would be that they've published at least one episode in the last 90 days. They could still be new, but they have at least one episode from the last 90 days. And that's 648,650 podcasts right now. Oh. 600. So let's say 700,000 active podcasts available. Would that be, would, would that be a fair number to say if we're just going to round it up? 650,000. Okay. Yeah, rounding yeah. it currently. And that's as of September 17th, 2020. And yeah. that number can, is always fluctuating too. You also have a service called My Podcast Reviews, right? That are available. So if podcasters want to get and see the reviews that are available on iTunes, they can subscribe to that. I think I'm doing that as well for you to get those updates. How's that going? Yeah, that's going well. We, we have released a brand new feature. No one else is doing this. We we basically created this industry of this software as a service for this kind of thing, gathering your podcast reviews. We check all of 175 Apple Podcasts and iTunes countries, plus Stitcher, Podchaser, CastBox, and more coming soon. And we just added a feature that now you can see all your ratings as well as your reviews, because many people didn't realize that ratings can be left without reviews, but every review requires a rating. So you can see like that engagement level to see you have a hundred ratings and 80 of them have reviews. That's a very high engagement, but if you've got a hundred ratings and only 10 of them have reviews, then you know you need to engage your audience a bit more, help them to write a review. And for helping people write a review, we've got a new feature coming out I can't tell you about completely <laughs> yet, but it will help you do that. And that is coming out uh, late September, early October, 2020. Oh, cool. So, so uh, as we're recording this um, pretty quick, where would folks go to, to find that, Daniel? Mypodcastreviews.com. And you can sign up for a free trial over there to check it out and give it a try for your podcast, multiple podcasts, monitor your competitors' podcast too. Mypodcastreviews.com. 
Ah, it's super cool. You got a lot of great stuff going on in there. I started that with PodPage and then we went totally off the rails. But um, PodPage, uh, now I've converted HomeGadgetGeeks.com. So many of you are getting the app through that. And like I said, I, I, I'm going to uh, switch over to PodPage as kind of the kind of the landing spot because one of the things I like about it, Daniel, is it got all the kind of every place you can think about subscribing, CastBox, Overcast, iTunes, Google Play, right? Well, not Google Play anymore, but Google Podcasts. There we go. I'm trying to have trouble getting that out of my, and I think it's Apple Podcasts too. I might've said yeah. iTunes. So it's tough to get that out of your vocabulary. Um, so if you go to homegadgetgeeks.com, you'll see that's kind of where I'm going to send everybody now who's like new to say, Hey, find your player and and you can you can kind of subscribe however you want. It's there. One of the cool thing that's about it for those who are regular listeners is it's got a what some folks have used like speak pipe or some ways to get it done, but it has a service associated with it where you can leave a message. So I'd like you guys to try that. If you're listening to it this week or whatever week you're listening to it, head out to homegadgetgeeks.com on the right hand side or on the mobile device, there'll be a button. Click it. It has a little microphone icon and leave me a message doesn't have to be anything productive or even about the show. Just love to hear your voice. So again, head out to homegadgetgeeks.com and we're going to give that a try. We're going to give it a spin. I've really liked what's going on at PodPage. I would never switch away, Daniel, from WordPress. Let's just be be really clear. But what they're doing over there at PodPage is pretty cool. Again, homegadgetgeeks.com. And then don't forget, I don't know how you're doing it during the pandemic, but HelloFresh has saved my life during the pandemic. Uh, TheAverageGuy.tv slash HelloFresh if you want to take advantage of that. 40 bucks off your first box. Daniel, you've you been eating okay during the during the pandemic? Things going okay along those lines? Yep. Okay. Mostly. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, I, I get a little Caesar's pizza here and there, but nice. yeah, still eating healthy. I enjoy cooking. I really do. Mm-hmm. Getting, but uh, And this is perks to what you can get with HelloFresh. Sometimes just going out and getting the ingredients is something that sometimes deters me from wanting yeah. to cook. It's like, oh, I don't oh. want to find cilantro because then I, <laughs> I'm going to have all of this cilantro left over. I'm never oh. going to use it. It's just going to rot in the refrigerator because all I need is this one little sprig. Yeah. Tonight we had chicken ravioli and I was peeling back. The, the ravioli was in a container, peeled back, thrown in hot water. I made the sauce on a pan in the back. I had exactly what I needed. Tossed the bag. Uh, it had nothing left. We ate it all. It was, it was pretty great. Um, it's just two of us, right? It's just my wife and I. Kids are gone. We do have a, I'll talk about this here in a second. We do have one coming back. But if you want to try that, just give it a try. You can do it one week. You can quit it after that if you want. But HelloFresh, give it a try. TheAverageGuy.tv slash HelloFresh. Then don't forget, uh, September 24th, we're doing the Patreon meetup. So if you're a Patreon subscriber and I haven't heard from you yet, I'll send another email out this week. But next week, this is next week, Kyle Wilcox will be on the show. Uh, just Patreon subscribers coming in for the first hour, 6.30 to 7.30, and then we'll start the show at 8. Just a meetup, just to get together, see how guys everybody's doing <laughs> during the pandemic. We want to make sure you guys are eating well uh, as well. And so check that out. If you want to, you can still, there's still time to participate. Go out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Join us over there and you can join us for the meetup. And then don't forget, I'm also going to be scheduling the barbecue, grill, and smoker meetup that's coming up October 24th. Daniel, we've been thinking about just different ways to get together. And we're going to actually live stream throughout the whole day, folks grilling and barbecuing and smoking. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) My neighbor today was grilling. And when uh, my son and I went outside and we're playing outside and I just love the smell of grilling meat. Yeah. 
it made me think I have got to get another grill again. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You got to come across one. Find look on look on uh, Facebook uh, Marketplace or some of those. Sometimes you can get a Weber for 50, 60 bucks and uh, that'll get you get you back in the game. We're going to have a morning session where we do kind of prep and dry rub. We're going to do a noon session where we all kind of check on what we're doing. And then we're going to do an evening session where we kind of come back around. And then I'm going to try and find a few folks who will live stream and we're going to do it all day. Live stream a webcam on the smoker. Like that's all it's going to be. It's just on the smoker watching smoke come out. But that's what we're going to do all day. So that's coming up October 24th. Uh, by the show next week, I'll actually have an event bright. I just started building that today. I'll have an event bright event for that setup, and uh, you can register and join us. No cost. Just want to have you jump in those as well. Then one more thing. So five years ago, we talked about Daniel being seven and a half years ago. Five years ago, uh, next month, uh, Tim, our son, joined the Marines, and I actually spent some time in show uh, 234 talking about. Him, we had just sent him off, and the Marines did some really interesting things with social media. And what was super cool about it is I found it really quick on my phone tonight during dinner. I was like, you know, I wonder what I said about that. And uh, we got an opportunity to listen to the to that podcast where he talked about all the cool things the Marines were doing to keep kind of parents involved and uh, and and not overseeing their kids, but at least knowing what's going on during it. So. Uh, it was fun to go back and do that. One of the things I appreciate, just a lot of listeners here that have been around during those times, and it's just weird to think it was five years ago. He'll be home on Monday, and he's out of the Marines. So for those of you who've been on the show that long and have uh, hung around that long, it's about the time I started Ask the Podcast Coach, to be honest with Dave Jackson. Uh, thanks for coming on the journey with me. I appreciate it. It's been it's kind of fun, and it was kind of fun to go back and listen I wonder how many other times I mentioned the Marines in the last five years. Daniel is with us tonight because he, uh, oh, by the way, if you want to go out to the show notes, I'm going to have this exact spot listed for you where this conversation starts. So if you haven't started checking out the show notes, I actually now put a little catalog of all the things we talk about on the show notes. And right here will be the time we talk about RGB lighting. Daniel, you reached out to me and, and gave us a little preview and asked the podcast coach, but you've spent a little time putting in, and we had the guys um, um, from Think Computers on, uh, oh, and we talked about RGB lighting for computers, right? There's lots of stuff you can do with fans and lighting inside of computers, but you took it kind of to the next level and, and kind of lit your whole studio that way. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what you did. I'm not sure where the best place to start on this is, but tell me, let's just maybe start at the beginning as you think about what was the genesis for kind of outfitting or redesigning your studio with this kind of lighting where you have some control over the, over the temperature and over the color and those kinds of things. For the first several years of my podcasting and my business helping podcasters, I was podcasting and recording videos and everything from my basement. And my basement has carpet, it has the speckled ceiling, it had a couch, it had a lot of furniture in it. So it really uh, helped the acoustics nicely. And there wasn't much echo. There wasn't much sound from outside because it's a bi-level and so it's partially underground. It was a pretty good acoustic space. Um, some reverb a little, but it was manageable. And then I moved to corporate space, rented some office space for a couple of years. And that was flat walls, completely squared rooms, no couches, only flat furniture was what I had, desks and screens and stuff. And reverb was a real problem there, especially when 
I would have an in-studio co-host with me because one microphone, you have to think about how sound bounces off from your voice back into the microphone. But when you have two microphones open and two people talking, then that that maybe more than doubles the problem because then you've got two voices bouncing at different angles, two microphones picking it up. So reverb became a real problem in that environment. And I tried these cheap ways of treating the acoustics by hanging up horribly ugly looking foam that someone gave me when they were going to throw it away because of how ugly it was. But I thought, no, that could that could work for acoustic stuff. It didn't really do all that much. It was ugly. It was cumbersome. I tried all kinds of things and it it just either didn't work well, it didn't it certainly didn't look well. And I I decided, all right, I want to do something that really fixes the acoustic problem and looks nice. I I looked at things like the acoustic tiles that you might see people have. They refer to them as like the egg crate uh, style or the wedges. Those are acoustic tiles. They're one foot by one foot or so squares made out of foam that people would often glue on their walls. Please don't glue that stuff on your wall. <laughs> Do anything other than gluing on, on your wall. You will regret it if you glue it. But I knew I didn't want that. What about like command strips? Would that be okay if you were? Yeah, that could probably work. Get it you, off again. You just want to make sure, yeah, you can... You can pull it off without leaving the residue. Right. But um, those things actually aren't that good. Uh, they do help, but they're just not the best at reducing reverb in your space, uh, especially with my particular space. The reverb was so horrible. Um, and so I was watching YouTube videos and reading acoustic stuff and discovered that panels are the much better thing. A panel would be something that's much larger, much thicker, and it uh, absorbs the sounds much better. And you don't even have to line an entire wall with a panel because sound goes behind the panel. You can have gaps behind the panels. You really only need to think about where is sound bouncing off. And that's where you put a panel is in those places. But I went a bit overboard and uh, made enough panels myself so that I could have one with only a six inch gap on every wall. On every wall. Place. So how'd you make them? What'd you make them out of? So uh, the panels themselves, before getting into the lighting, the coolness yeah, yeah. factor, yeah. and anyone watching in the video, and if you're listening to the audio, you'll want to look at the video because uh, I've had this signature look now for a while with these large black, like 2001 A Space Odyssey looking obelisks behind me. These are the panels that I've created. So the frame is made out of MDF boards and uh, instead of wood. And the reason why I like that is uh, for one thing, it's something that was recycled from something else. So that's kind of cool. But uh, what I really like about it is MDF boards are completely straight. They're completely flat. You don't have to spend so much time trying to pick one that's not warped or anything like that. They are very easy to work with for precision kind of work like I wanted with my panels. I wanted them perfectly aligned and everything. So I got the big MDF sheets. They're four feet by eight feet. I had them cut them there at the Lowe's or Home Depot, wherever I went. And uh, by the way, if you do the same thing, make sure they have it perfectly straight and the saw is perfectly straight. There was mm. uh, one of the boards I got cut, the the board was leaning mm. in the little gap. And so all of the cuts were just slightly angled and it, it threw everything off. Um, but it's MDF boards. Also, a, I think a little bit cheaper than doing the same thing with wood. Uh, certainly Especially now. I, especially oh. now, wood's gotten so expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pandemic has 
driven the oh, price yeah. of wood. Yeah. Everybody's um, doing home improvement projects. Yeah. 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 I was doing home improvement before it was cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I made these basic frames. There's nothing really fancy about the frame itself. It's just a, a square frame and there are some supporting beams in the back of it. And then on the inside of these, so each of the large acoustic panels, like one that I have directly behind my head, is two feet by four feet. I, and the the insulation or what I'm using on the inside to absorb the sound is insulation. Insulation is fantastic for this. And specifically, Ruxel Safe and Sound insulation is designed for uh, absorbing sound. And uh, that's what I'm using in this case. Now, you may be thinking though, some construction, my panels are 24 inches wide. I had to special order the insulation. Didn't actually cost all that much more. But uh, so I could make 24 inch wide panels instead of 16 inch wide panels. And the insulation works great. I've seen some people just layer towels, uh, sew some towels together and uh, layer them. And that can work really well too, and maybe even be a bit cheaper. Um, I didn't know about that when I did the insulation, but mm. uh, the, and then, so I'll, after all of this is put together, these panels are about four inches thick or so. There's a little bit of space behind them, which is good. Um, then I wrap them in black speaker cloth because like Lego Batman, I only work in black and sometimes <laughs> very, very dark gray, which is actually a problem that I'll get into in a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I really like the look of black. So I went with black speaker cloth. If I was redoing these, I'd probably redo them in white or, or gray or something else. But I like the black and I like the contrast. Um, so I wrapped them in this black speaker cloth. You can use other color speaker cloth. You could get burlap is also something. You just need sound and air to be able to pass through the cloth. So if you can hold up a piece of the cloth and blow through it and feel your breath on the other side, that's the kind of cloth you'd want for this. So I wrapped it in that. Then I heard that it's best if your acoustic panels are sitting away from the wall a little bit or whatever surface they're protecting, because that gives more space for sound to get around behind the panel and get absorbed by the panel, as well as more space for sound to dissipate when it gets through the panel, bounces off the wall, and then hits the backside of the panel. So I tried to think of different ways to do this and found a simple hack is door stoppers, not the springy oh. kinds, but the hard, stiff kinds just yeah. from Walmart. <laughs> bought every single one at my local Walmarts. I had to visit yeah. several Walmarts. I bought them all out of their door stoppers and put them on the four corners of these boards and, and these uh, panels and made panels in different sizes. I cut some of the insulation to half size. So the result are these large black obelisks, but they work really well. The acoustics is fantastic now with these all over the walls. I'm going to, I'm going to make you big screen so we can kind of see uh, kind of what they look like. How much, what's the most expensive part of that? Uh, the MDF, the, and is this the right, is this the right insulation that the safe and sound? Yeah. Is that the Ruxel, right? Ruxel okay. safe and sound. You can find it the, the standard 16 inch stud size. You can find at any local hardware store probably, but the 24 inch, I had to go to a, an independent hardware store and special order, which didn't cost much more. And it's designed for, um, for fire and, um, and soundproofing. So that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. So what was the most expensive part of that then? Do you think? I think of the, the acoustic aspect of it, not the lighting, 
because the lighting is probably the most expensive, but the acoustic aspect, the insulation, I think, is the most expensive, which, so if you want to save even more money, you could just find a bunch of towels. And when I say towels, they can look like anything. You could go to Goodwill and buy every single towel they have because you're putting speaker cloth or some kind of cloth over it to hide whatever is in there. So whatever is on the inside doesn't really matter. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think, what, what do you think, just for the insulation part, what, what do you think the end bill is on that, something uh, like that? For the insulation itself, I'm not yeah, sure. But think, the, think about the panel oh, and the panel well, install. Yeah, the whole panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this kind of thing, you can buy this kind of thing commercially for $200 and up per panel. Right. Uh, easily, I've seen these kinds of things go for $500. I built these for about 20 to $25 each. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and okay. that's including the fancy RGB going yeah. into it. Yeah. Cool. So, so, yeah, so thousands of dollars. One of the things too, and you, and you think about um, sound enhancing, let's just say that's what we call this, right? Or sound deadening. Does, isn't necessarily just for a studio or for just for, for right. podcasters. If you've got, if you've got a theater room, if you've got a spot in the house, that's just loud. Uh, you, you could create, and instead of using speaker cover, you could put art on, in front of it, right? You could use canvas or you can, and, and it's a great way to kind of deaden if you got some loud spots in your house. A lot of homes are coming with hardwood floors and those are super loud and super noisy and just a great, um, just a great opportunity. They're already, uh, Tony's already telling me, uh, that, uh, they'd look great in the new home gadget geek studio. I don't know where that new studio is coming from. You, you, of course, so you got new panels up and that's begging for lights. So let's talk a little bit about okay, what, what did you give us a little idea what you went through your thought process as you were thinking about how you now, and let me ask you this, like we only see one part of the light, Daniel, like we only see what's behind you. Is everything lit that way? Or do you just have what's behind you lit that way? I have, um, since I've redone the RGB uh, lighting, I have about half of the panels in my room lit that way. I'd love to do them all. It's just not necessary. I The lighting is really there for it to look good to the camera, not to me. In fact, when I'm just down here in my studio working on my own, I almost never turn on the lights. For one thing, because of sometimes a little bit of glare off the screen. Um, the other thing is just the the color balance, I, I can't quite get the right color because I went with RGB instead of some of the other options that are available for lighting strips. But uh, it's mainly just a, an accent thing to look great. Now, it'd be really cool if every panel in my room had it. And uh, where I actually got this idea was a while back, I was looking at maybe moving homes. And I found this one home that the basement had acoustic panels already on the walls with lights glowing behind them. And the homeowner wasn't selling the acoustic panels. They were musicians. I had asked, they had this whole recording studio in their basement. I had asked, are you including those acoustic panels? They said, no, probably not. But I loved how much, how good that looked. And that's where I got this idea of, it'd be really cool to have light glowing behind the acoustic panel, not only just for the, the fact that that would remove shadows, but what you could do with that when you start adding color. So uh, talk us through a little bit. So what's it take if I'm thinking about doing something like this? Walk me through the parts list of what's going to be required to do something like you did. Start from the wall and work your way to the panel. 
homegadgetgeeks.com slash HGG460. Did I get that right? You got it right. Good. Nice job. Yeah. You'll have a parts list out there, but just kind of walk us through a little bit of what. Yeah. So I've provided the parts. So uh, I don't need to uh, go into too much detail about some of these smaller pieces. But uh, so I'll I'll first tell you the mistakes I made with this because I learned some major lessons. Uh, The first panels I made, I bought different RGB strips from Amazon based on what I saw going on sale for lightning deals because I saw, oh, these are RGB SMD 5050 strips. So they're all going to be the same, right? Wrong. They are not all the same. They're uh, different densities of lighting. Like you could have 30 uh, lights per meter, 60 lights per meter, 120 lights per meter. Uh, there are, uh, of course, different SMD, like 38, 28, something like that. Uh, there are different styles like that, but I was sticking with SMD 5050s, uh, which are red, green, and blue are all in one tiny little spot instead of separated bulbs, like separated by an inch or so from each other, each color. Um, but I, I learned that not all of them were made the same, even though they have the same basic design. And the way you could really see that was if you set them to white. Now, if you want white from RGB, there are different options. Either get white strips or they make RGB strips that have RGB and white. They even make strips that have RGB plus cool white and warm white. So you can get lots of control there uh, if you want to. And those have different numbers of wires that uh, connect with them too. I just wanted RGB. So these strips that I got, if you put them to white, some of them looked kind of blue, some of them looked kind of green, some of them looked kind of pink. And, and that messed things up because that meant the color wasn't quite balanced. So if I set them all to blue, some might look more blue than others or be brighter than others or a, a nicer looking blue than others. So that was a mistake I made. The other mistake, I had no idea about voltage drop. And these RGB strips, are really thin. There's very little copper inside of these things. So when you're sending voltage through one end, the lights on the other end will be noticeably dimmer than the lights at the very beginning because there's so little copper that that voltage just can't be carried in full to the very end. It's very uh, small. Uh, And if you're working with 12 volts and you lose four volts along the way, then that's that's uh, you know, 25% of your lighting power. And I could see it on my panels where I would wrap the lights around the back of the panel, start at one corner, wrap it all the way around, end at that same corner. You could see how different the lighting was. From from one end to the other, the right. light quality would be different. Yeah, they, well, you don't think about that, right? You don't think like, yeah, this is a math, power, you know, a math problem. This and, is and an I electricity problem, yeah. Yeah, I just thought you plug it in, it's going to be the exact same brightness at one end from the right. other. And this is cutting the strips shorter than they come. They come in uh, three, no, five, whatever 16.4 feet is. is. that five meters? Yes, five meters. <laughs> they come in five meter kits. And I just assumed same brightness all the way across. It's not the case. I've learned a lot about electricity since then. And uh, so I, I've had all of these different strips. And when I moved my studio back to my home, and I started working with these things again, I was really thinking, I, I, I think I might want to redo this first, not because of the lighting quality or the colors, but because I realized I had a safety issue. 
somewhere along the way, I realized I've got these 12 volt strips plugged into these power adapters and they were all the wrong kinds of power adapters. They, the strips needed five amps of power, but I had all of these 12 volt, uh, one amp adapters lying around from, you know, old laptops, old hard drives, old everything geeky that have since thrown away except the power adapters, because I thought I might need that someday. And it was a mess. Like I, on the, on the video here, I'll show if I move to the side, let me make you big screen there. There we go. There we go. What you would have seen before, both in the old studio and before I redid the things here, was you would have seen a wire hanging from every single acoustic panel because every one of them needed power in order to keep the brightness. And now the only wire I have visible is a wire to a speaker. And everything else, I'll explain how I hit the wires in a moment. But I was trying to think of how can I make it so that the cables aren't showing and could I just get better power adapters and connect all the panels together. And that's when I realized my power adapters are not right. Mm. And I started looking into things more and realizing, well, I've got this voltage drop problem. And to fix that means buying all new power adapters. But these that still means having to have enough outlets for all of these power adapters and plugging you know, 20 yeah. power adapters into my house and running out of outlets. I was just realizing this is going to be a mess. and. So I started looking at, all right, I, I just want to completely redo this and redo it the right way. So that's when I got into looking at things like how instead of using 12 volt RGB strips, instead getting 24 volt strips, because the voltage drop is the same. There's the same amount of copper, but it's a mathematical difference. Four volt droppage, uh, four, four volt drop for 12 volts. 25%. But a 4 volt drop for 24 volts is a much lower percentage. So because it's a percentage thing, the the brightness difference at the end of a strip was noticeably different using 24 volt strips. The other thing I learned about is that uh, voltage, did you know you can have voltage being added at both ends of a strip? No. I didn't know that. I thought no. that'd start a fire. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't understand certain things like that. So uh, just simply splitting the power input and putting it at both ends of the strip so that then there's a tiny measurable voltage drop in the middle of the strip, but it's not enough, especially working with 24 volt strips. It's not enough to see a lighting difference. So um, now my panels uh, it still wraps around in the back with the RGB lighting, but the power goes in once and then gets split and then uh, connects all the way through. So it, it's much smoother. Getting 24 volts meant different power supplies, but also I was thinking, I, I really don't want wires hanging down. I don't want to get a bunch of 24 volt power supplies and having all of these wires behind me that always looked clunky. And so what I did instead is uh, this wall that's behind me in my home. So if you have ever been in the Midwest, then you know what seems like the federally mandated bi-level home, where it's it's like, let's make a hill and build a house halfway inside of that hill. 
and let's make it so when you walk inside the house, you're faced with a crisis. Do you go upstairs? Do you go downstairs? Because there's not enough space to stay where you are. You have to make a decision. It, it's not good for Midwesterners. I don't know why these bi-levels are so popular out here. I hate them. Tons, but, of, them. Tons <laughs> of them are built that way. But they do work pretty well for podcasting. And yeah. behind me, so behind me is the stairway that goes up to the entryway and then up to the upper level. So right behind this wall that's behind me is underneath the stairwell, some unfinished area. So I have access mm. to the back of the drywall that's there. So I got this idea that what if, instead of powering every panel with a power adapter, how about I get a central power supply, tap off of it as much as I need to, and then just drill a hole through the wall and run the power line directly to the panel that way. And so the end result, I, yeah, I've got a bunch of holes in the wall behind me, but they're behind the panels. The end result then is that these panels are just floating there with the light glowing yeah. behind them. This, these RGB lights that can change the colors for them and um, no wires hanging underneath. It looks really clean. It's now definitely safe. I made sure that I got enough wattage for the, the power supply, really shopped around for a name brand power supply. Because when you're working with power, I don't think you want something cheap from China. You want something high quality that's not going to start a fire. And I put this all in a nice enclosure. And the, the end result, I'm really happy with it because it looks very clean. But then, of course, there's also the professional, really cool aspect of it with the, the RGB lighting. Yeah. Can you... Can you manipulate the colors then on the fly? Are you I able can. to kind of, yeah, let's just show us that's, a little bit about what's available. That's the other thing I wanted to do. I've got all of these smart bulbs inside my home, like LifeX smart bulbs are what I have. So they can be controlled with Amazon, Google, or even uh, Apple HomeKit. And I wanted the same kind of thing from my panels. Instead of having a remote control where I have to point at every single one to turn it on and change the color and, and all of that, I wanted to be able to control it with my voice. So uh, for, so I'm not triggering anyone's speakers. I'll mute myself here, but I'll demonstrate what I can do with this. Set the audio background to red. Every one of these panels is connected to its own RGB controller. And so I can manipulate each of them independently, but I've made them all one group. So I can change their color to anything I want or any brightness that I want as well. And individually controlled. So you could do red, white, and blue across the across that if you wanted to. You would need to name them. You would need to call their names individually, but you've got them put in a group so they'll all change at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like I, I might be able to do that. Let's see if I, if I have that set up. Set audio background two to blue. And moment of truth. No, I must not have the individual ones set up. <laughs> Stop. That's okay. That's always it's it's I, I we didn't test that in advance, but since they're all on their own individual, you could you could really do that. Do you have app yeah. control as well? Can you go into an yes. app? And, so and certainly in the app, I could easily go in and set the individual yeah. colors of the panels. I could save that as a particular scene. So if I wanted red, white, and blue, or or any particular specific color to save as a, a scene. I can do that inside of the app. And, and I love being able to do that, to adjust the brightness, to change the color, like for a particular mood or something, uh, controlling it through the app as well as through the smart speaker. And, and then setting up the routines for that as well. Because like I mentioned, I've got all of these smart bulbs and what you're seeing me now, and I don't like the red background. I'm just gonna change yeah, it. Go ahead and change it back. 
Yeah. Uh, set audio background to blue. So I've got studio lighting on me to make uh, me look better exposed for the camera. I also have just regular lights in my office. And so I can turn those lights on and off. My my studio lighting isn't as smart, but at least it does have a wireless, not an infrared uh, controller. But I set up a scene. So I can say certain things like uh, turn off the office and it turns off everything for me. Or I can say switch to podcast mode and it turns on the audio background to the right color. It turns off the office lights and then I just turn on the studio uh, lighting on me. And these different routines that I've set up inside of the smart speaker as, uh, you know, the workflows, routines, whatever they're called in a particular workflow. And that that just, it feels so good to be able to do that. And it's also less frustrating too, you know, having to turn around and press a button pointed at every single one. I've just got so much more control now and flexibility and versatility. And it just looks so much nicer yeah. too. No, it's it's super cool. Have you have you thought about okay? So in some of the uh, if this and that routines that exist, you can say, "Hey, when somebody's at the front door, or when I get a package delivered, turn my lights on to this color so I know." Have you have you looked into any of those to kind of change? Because you've got, I mean, you've got a whole wall. You could you could create a whole bunch of different visualizations. Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, uh, there are some technical limitations there on what I can do with some of the the different devices that I'm using, like the cameras and such. Uh, but I have thought about certain things like that. And uh, generally for me, I'd rather not something else have control of yeah. my light. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah. uh, I do I do things like with my regular home lights, I do have them on a schedule where they're daylight colored during the day and then they turn into warmer colors at night, just like the the true tone on a screen or the, you know, yeah. the flux or something like that mm-hmm. on your screens, reducing the amount of blue. I've done, I tried something similar with the LED lights to see if I could have them kind of complement the room lights. So they'd be like a daylight color during the day and a warmer white during the night. It's just, you can't quite get that with RGB strips. That's where the RGB and then gosh, a bunch of different letters and options come after it, but giving you the warm white, the cool light options after it, like RGB uh, CCT, I think is one RGB W RGB WW, I think is another. There are all of these different ones that you just have to consider what do I really want my lights to do and then get the right strips for those. For me, these RGB strips behind the panels creating the glow is really just for the visual effect for the camera, not so much for the room. Although with so many black panels around, it did darken the room. Yeah. So I had to add more lights to the room. So that's what made me kind of wish maybe I should have gone with something where I could have used these as uh, additional light room light, but they're just accents. So RGB works fine for me. Yeah, it looks good. Did you, um, are those lights actually dimmer than they appear to us in on camera? Cause you know, these, these C920s have a little sensor and backlit stuff sometimes is a little dimmer, you know, this monitor here, I can even barely see. Uh, and yet it shows up on the camera. Are those, as you look at them, are they as dim as they appear or, or talk a little bit about that? They, yeah, pretty close. There are some interesting things that I run into with this uh, space, like being farther away from the panels and uh, lights, the way that my studio lights create shadows or create additional light on my backdrop. But um, with these particular strips that I got and the links to these things, uh, everything I bought for this is either from Amazon or AliExpress. So 
Uh, this is your opportunity to really get stuff done, order something you really want and wait for it for 30 days. You will feel like you've got the world of time to do stuff you've wanted to do. And that's what happened for me. Uh, so the strips were from AliExpress. So I could order, I think, 10 different or 10 strips all exactly the same since you don't want to mix and match from Amazon. Um, these are 120 LEDs per meter. Very dense. I think too dense, actually. But the advantage of that is that they can be at a very low brightness level and still put out a decent amount of light. And right now, these lights are at 1%. I'll bump up the light here. Set audio background to 100%. And this, you'll see a couple oh, yeah. problems come in now. Now they're so bright that they're being exposed as white to to the camera mostly. It almost um, looks fake. It looks like yeah. your background, like now you're in a virtual background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just need the little ticker underneath with stock symbols and stuff. <laughs> The other interesting thing that's happening right now, well, you can't hear it, uh, but the, now there's one of the other panels just finally caught up. Uh, the power supply is on the other side of the wall. Some noise does come from it. It has a fan on it that automatically turns on based on how much load is being pulled from the power supply, not based on um, how hot it gets, just based on how much load comes through. And that fan can be picked up by my microphone at mm. times. And so I've had to play with learning, all right, I can put them up to this brightness level without activating the fan, or I can put this many colors together. Like right now, they're blue. They're solid blue. Only the blue LED lights are on. So that's using one third of the potential power that these strips could pull, RGB, you know, three. If all of them are on, if I've got them set to white, like I'll do right now, Set audio background to white. Now all three lights are on. <laughs> and there that comes the fan. <laughs> that looks cool though. <laughs> you got if you're only listening to the audio, you gotta come over to the video on YouTube uh, and watch that again. The average guy.tv slash HGG four six oh. You gotta come over and watch behind it. me. Because that really does look fake now. I mean, that yeah. almost looks like you know, Jesus has arrived and like <laughs> the angels, <Yeah. laughs> right? Yeah, it does. It's it's uh, because I've exposed the camera to how my skin looks, not right. based on the background. And I, I've adjusted the background to complement yeah. my face. Um, now, yeah, with the lights at white and at full brightness and so many lights, it's so dense. The white, the wall is now a solid white overexposed to the camera, actually causing a little bit of a lens flare. I just noticed that's kind of a J.J. Yeah. Abrams effect there. <laughs> and, and now the power supply is revving up. Yeah. And uh, one of the other things I discovered is not only to be considerate of the power supply fans when that might turn on. And this isn't a problem for people who are doing this for just their home entertainment right. uh, or something right. like that. Um, but if you're recording a podcast, you have to be considerate of what other noise there is. Uh, the other problem that came up is coil wine, which uh, PC builders will probably be familiar with. It, this is one of those other things I learned about in this whole process. I'm going to, I'm going to turn this off. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we'll stop blinding. Set audio background to 1%. 
So I've learned certain things, by the way, of like, I can have it at white up to this percentage level. I can have it at blue at this higher percentage level. And uh, one of my panels needs to be rewired because I did not do a good job on it. And so sometimes the coloring is a bit off. But the, um, the coil wine is where there are these different coils that are for different reasons inside of the power supply. And electricity goes through this wire that's wrapped around this thing that looks like a donut with wire wrapped around it. And it's an electromagnetic uh, thing that's happening. And electricians are probably just cringing it. My bad description. <laughs> uh, that'll be okay. It's okay. We understand. What happens is as this electricity is going through wrapped around this thing is it starts to vibrate and that vibration will cause a high pitched whine to come out of the power supply. And that happens depending on how much power you draw. So I've learned like with my system, if I get to just below triggering the fan, that's when the coil whine is the loudest. So I have to find that particular balance of, okay, this is going to trigger the fan, but this is going to trigger the coil whine. And now that I know what those levels are for my particular setup, I can work around that. Yeah. Yeah. So a little, it sounds like a lot of testing and and judging and like, okay, how's this? What does this sound like? What's there you go. You get your lights back to the way they were. Um, you, it, how long do you think it took you from after install to get it all kind of the way you want it? Like the way it is today. As far as uh, figuring out the lighting levels. And yeah. Like just is you think about from the time you started doing the install of these things to the time oh. it got to that, what's, what was the duration? How long did you test this for? Um, for maybe an hour, just playing around with it. Some of it was just playing to see what can I do, yeah. you know, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on again, turn it off, turn it on. <laughs> just having fun with yeah. you know, being able to control a wall of light is, is pretty fun. You got to admit. Oh yeah. Yeah. The different things that you can do. If you could do anything different now, I mean, it's working, right. And you're going to break it again, probably at some point, <laughs> uh, just cause you're going to try to do something that, you know, you're like, Oh, why did I break it? But uh, what would you do differently today if you, you know, had to do it all over again? What else? You, you mentioned a couple of lessons that you learned, but anything else that you learned through the process? Yeah, some of the things like when I first got these strips. So these RGB strips are really not made for precision measurements. Uh, you can only cut them to certain lengths. Like each, uh, the strip is wired so that depending on how many LEDs there are per meter, you have these sections and you can cut for each section. And 120 meters or 120 LEDs per meter makes a nice small section, very dense with LEDs, but it's also uh, kind of inflexible because there are so many LEDs in a single strip. And um, it, it makes it not so actually physically flexible. It also makes it difficult to cut because the space for the contacts I found that I have to actually waste a section mm. in order to overcut. So I leave plenty of space for the electrical contacts if I have to connect the wires. So I think two things I would have done differently. One is gotten a lower density strip, so it would be mm. physically more flexible and also a little bit easier to work with with some of the connectors and attachments. The other thing is that working with a precision-sized Thing. It's not just hanging strips on a wall or behind a desk or something like that where you where it doesn't have to be so precise. Here I have to be precise to you know half an inch or less than that. 
uh, or else I'll have things sticking out the edges of my panels and looking clunky. What I started doing, how I did my first panels was I did this complicated thing where I got a wire-based connector and then I wrapped it around itself to make an overlapping corner and then had to staple down the excess wire. And so I was making corners with adapters and connectors. And when I got these new strips, I got new adapters and connectors as well. And I started trying to do the same thing, but I discovered like this is a little cumbersome. And uh, then I realized, well, wait a minute. Do I need these adapters? These are flexible strips. By the way, for indoor projects, do not get waterproof strips. You will hate yourself for using the waterproof strips that have because the they're inflexible. Yeah, they they're thick, they're inflexible, they're pain to work with. If you get non-waterproof strips, they don't have the the like the rubber over them, the clear rubber. They're much easier to work with and they're much more flexible. So what I did instead of uh, and the the one panel I have that I mentioned where the color is a little wonky is because I still haven't fixed it with this. It's still the corners are connected with little connectors. All the other panels, all I did is I simply bent the strip to make a corner where, uh, you know, just like taking a ribbon, if you were to imagine, make a corner, a 90 degree angle with a ribbon, you end up with a little bit pinched in the corner. That's fine when you're working with these strips, especially if you've got lower density strips than what I have. Uh, that makes it really easy then. And then you can reinforce the stickiness of the strips isn't quite as good as I'd want sticking onto the back of these particular panels. Uh, so I just have, I used a staple gun and stapled in every here and there uh, for just some extra stability and especially near those corners. And that made it really easy. Like doing the corner thing with the connectors and, and stuff, that was taking me an hour or more per panel. But when I threw that out and decided to just bend and pinch these things, I was able to put the LEDs on a panel in about five to 10 minutes, mm. have it fully connected. Did you find if you did lower density that your power, so you're saying like right now you're running these at 1%. If you would have had lower density, would you have had to push that power up a little bit to get the same amount of brightness that you're looking for? I, I have to correct your words. Okay. Uh, or yeah, yeah. or okay. You, you don't realize the words let me just yeah, just do it. Just do we'll, it. We'll edit this all in post. No, it's, it's no, okay. we won't. It's fine. <laughs> I've never I've never worked with these before. So with lower density, and mm -hmm. this is something I didn't realize would happen. Um, the strips I worked with before were sixty LEDs per meter. Mm -hmm. These new strips are one twenty because of something about the way the electronics work. In order to get the smaller sections uh, for twenty four volt strips you had to get 120 LEDs. And I was still, when I bought these LEDs, I was still in the mind of, okay, I'm gonna have to cut these at the corners and connect them. So I need to have that flexibility of the smaller sections so I can be more precise in my cuts instead of like six inch long sections where I, now I know I didn't need that. And um, so with so many LEDs, twice as many LEDs, I can have the brightness down. I'm running these at 1% brightness. I never thought that I'd only need 1% brightness. That's because there are twice as many bulbs back there mm -hmm. as my 60 LEDs were. So if I was using the 60 LEDs per meter, I think I could 
then just turn up the brightness. And I don't think it would have made any difference to how smooth the lighting looks because I had the 60 LEDs before. Yeah. Um, side note on that though, the closer the LEDs are pointing at the surface. So my LEDs, uh, I don't think I explained this. My LEDs are on the backs of the panels or on the frames. They're pointing at the wall. They're not pointing out, they're pointing directly at the wall. The closer the LEDs get to the wall, the more you would see the separation between the bulbs. And you might see like, you know, that dotted look behind you. That's why I used door stoppers is to give me about three inches of space from the wall, not only for the acoustic benefits of that, but also that gives more space for that light to mix together. So you don't see the individual dots of each bulb. When I had the 60 LEDs per meter, you didn't see those dots. You definitely don't see them with 120 LEDs. But if I was using 60 LEDs per meter, I would probably have to make the brightness just a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. But the result would balance out that I'd probably still be drawing the same amount of power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just wondering with the, with with the less, you're pulling a little bit more, but it's not technically more power because the all, right. all that works out in the wash. Just kind of wondering as, as folks are thinking about, hey, if I was going to do this, thinking through, like, those are great tips already. In other words, no, I don't need the corner connectors. I don't need the, you know, and maybe I want to go lower density on that. I love the idea of the DIY doorstop. I'm sure they just had a screw on the, right, on the right. back end and you just right into the right. MDF. Do you have to drill out the MDF to screw it in before you put because mdf is tough to get a screw into well yeah yeah everything and that's the other thing is you know before i did this i never understood the need for pilot holes drilling pilot <laughs> holes now i understand because here if you are as ignorant as i was not that long ago if you drill or if you drive a screw through wood guess what happens it cracks who knew right yeah. I didn't know, but uh, yeah, just drilling pilot holes. And uh, actually my braces that help keep the frame together in the back are wood just because I wanted something cheap. So it's, it is actually wood in the back. It's I think one by two little boards. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I drilled into because it's a larger flat surface for the base of the, um, the door stoppers. And I drilled into that. Yeah. And then just screw in the door stopper. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a great solution. Have you um, you thought about uh, hooking it up to any kind of vocal or music uh, monitor to, to to go along with the vocals or the music? Imagine if you were talking and it was, you know, I, that's maybe too much movement for you. Well, now that now that it's app powered, it could do that kind of thing. Yeah. Like uh, while we're still talking here, I am going to open the app to see uh, if there is that that feature. And, and that's another thing now. There are two popular apps that control these things. And this is on the cheap end of RGB strips. You can get stuff like from Philips, the Philips Hue line or LifeX or, you know, all of these very well-known brands that are digital LED strips. And digital LED strips are uh, so much fancier where you can actually address each bulb individually, not the entire strip. Like I cannot make one of those bulbs white neither can i change the length of a hair on my head <laughs> pull that scripture in but um, with digital bulbs you can do that but digital costs much more so yeah. these um yeah, those are like 80 dollars a strip for yeah. for phillips and, yeah. and yeah and these strips by the way 
for a five meter long strip were um, about seven dollars. Huh. I think from our pretty reasonable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Half but you price. waited a month to get them because they're coming from China, right? Yeah. yeah, but but the nice thing was again, I, I if you're going to go on the cheap side of these strips, do not buy from Amazon. I bought as much as I oh. could. Uh, I mean, other stuff I bought from Amazon, but on Amazon, it's just it's hit and miss. I've got all of these other strips that are different coloring and different quality levels. And you find, like, I found one. Finally, I found a good provider on Amazon. And apparently that one strip I bought was their last strip. <laughs> They're gone. And Forever. I think these are just people who buy this stuff from Alibaba.com or the, the consumer side, AliExpress.com and resell it on Amazon. I mean, I even thought of that when I saw the prices on AliExpress. Yeah. And then when they run out, they're done. They close up shop. Mm -hmm. and, and then you don't know exactly what strip that was. But um, so on this cheap side of things, there are two controller apps uh, that you'll be looking at for this stuff. One is Smart Life and the other is Magic Home. and uh, those are the apps that are available for iOS and Android that would control these things and also handle that connection with your smart speaker devices. Only the Google and Amazon devices support these things. But the the Smart Life app, I think, looks nicer and is easier to work with, especially the connection process and the setup process is easier. But you don't get as much control in it. Like if I know. I want these to be RGB 50 uh, or R50 G100 and B0. I can set that inside of the Magic Home app, but I can't set that inside of the Smart Life, Smart Home, it was a Smart Life app. And that's based on the controller. So those little RGB controllers that I have that connect to the Wi-Fi are connected to one particular app ecosystem or another. It's not, you can't switch the apps. You're stuck with a particular app. And that's the other thing is, I wish I got different controllers that were Magic Home because Magic Home lets you set specific RGB values and also save preset colors. So if I know, okay, this is the color I always want to be able to use without making a scene uh, inside of your smart speaker settings, um, Magic Home gives you that control. The, the Magic Home app doesn't look as good, but I think it works uh, more precisely than the Smart Life app, but Smart Life is a bit easier to use. So it's it's a bit of one or the other, and that's the other thing is. And I had no idea about that when I when I bought all of those controllers. So Daniel, are you saying uh, we should watch uh, in in avoid? I'm, I've got an Amazon deal up on the screen right now: sixty six foot RGB LED strip for forty bucks probably avoid something like this if we were going to go down this route or no? Yeah, avoid that. Now, that's that's not too bad of a price. Now, if you bought all the strips you need, if you could get from that one place and they're all the same, I think it's more important to have them all the same mm. than necessarily the particular strips. But what I did find, and I lined up, I had, I think, five different strips. I lined them up and I set them all to white. Again, you're making white from red, green, and blue. So don't expect it to be a perfect white. But it was crazy how different they made white. And then I could also set them to different colors. Red seemed to be always the same with them. But like I set them to blue. And some of them look more blue than others. And some of them, the, the, the blue looked more artificial. And, and that was the weird thing. So I think it's more important that they all match, whatever it is. 
But the ones I got from AliExpress, and, and you'll have the link in the show notes for these, I like them. The white they produce from RGB, the white looks white. I was amazed at how good the white looked coming from them. I did not expect that. I just wanted them all to be the same. But yeah, if you're looking at Amazon, just get get more than you need because you're probably going to run out in the process. <laughs> no, that's a good that's a good point. Is get them all at the same time if you can cuz there may be different manufacturing specs. There may they may be getting the LED lights that they make them with from different places. Um, hey, Brian in the chat room was asking, curious uh, what the power consumption is on these types of lights. So as you think about, and I don't know if you've put a a meter on on the lights at all to see what kind of voltage it's drawing, but do you have any idea what kind of how much power it's pulling? Yeah, that was something I had to think about because I was buying a power supply, like a, a raw power supply. The company that I, uh, the power supply brand that I bought, I bought it from Amazon, but the brand is Meanwell and they are very highly rated. Uh, I think they're manufactured in Taiwan or China or something like that, but they're, they are very high quality. They're very highly respected. They cost more than what you might find from AliExpress. But the thing was, like I said earlier, working with power and voltage, I don't want to start a fire. So mm -hmm. that one thing, I wanted to make sure I got name brand, reputable name brand. And you have to look at uh, things about the wattage. So you're, the strips you're getting set, whether you're on 24 volt or 12 volt, like I said, go with 24 volt. Uh, almost everything you see on Amazon, like I didn't pay attention to the, I didn't check the voltage, but that strip you probably found on Amazon was probably 12 volt. Almost everything you'll find will be 12 volt and 24 volt. You have to really look more closely. So um, the entire strip will take a certain number of watts. Like I think uh, for me, each, if I was powering the entire strip fully, all three bulbs at full brightness, uh, each strip, I think uses 75 watts. Um, so what I had to do was then calculate roughly how much of the strip am I using per panel? How many panels am I using? That's okay. That adds up to this many watts that I need to be able to supply through this power supply. And then the power supplies, you never want to run them at full usage uh, just for the life of the power supply, as well as you might have to keep in mind the coil wind, the fan noise, anything like that if you're in a studio setting. Uh, so all of that, you need more margin with the power supply. So I got a, you know, now I forget. I need to check my order. Uh, I got, because I, I went through multiple power supplies. Mm -hmm. I, I got one that I learned before I decided I needed to go 24 volt. I bought a, tw a 12 volt, returned that. Then I got a 24 volt that had an always on fan. And being a podcaster, I knew always on is not good me i need more control over the fan so i returned that and got all right it's a mean my particular one for all the panels that you see behind me there are let me look six panels behind me four are vertical and then there are two actually horizontal uh, stacked above them at the top that you usually don't see but uh, just add i have too many panels so i was just thinking <laughs> where can i take another panel because i've got too many now since i moved home so i got from my needs for all of these panels plus other panels that are in another part of this room for video use um, it's the meanwell hrp 600-24 so it's a 600 watt power supply 
Um, I think I misspoke when I said 75 watts per strip. I think it's actually much lower than that. I forget the exact number, but you need to look at those strips. Generally, every particular um, configuration of a strip, like 120 me uh, LEDs per meter uh, at 24 volt, every brand is going to be about the same wattage consumption. So once you know that, then you can just do the simple math of, right, this many strips are going to be connected to this power supply. So I need at least this many watts. I think uh, you're right. In that strip we were looking at, twelve. those are 12 volts. And then I think um, down here it says 65 watts maybe per length, so per 16 feet. Would yes. that would that be? Do you think that's that's accurate? Yeah, I, th I think that is accurate. Yeah, okay. sixty five. Okay. Yeah, so it must be seventy five watts for the full. Yeah, if it's if it's on full blast. Yeah, that's I would the imagine, other right. Is that since I'm running these at only one percent, <laughs> and that's not one percent of the total power usage. That's more like 033 percent because I'm using one bulb out of three potential bulbs and that one bulb is running at one percent yeah. so i'm i'm barely tapping the power yeah. that my uh my power supply can provide but if i didn't get the kind of power supply that i did when i did that thing where i set it to 100 white where every bulb was on at full brightness i might have started a fire <laughs> if i didn't have the right power supply <laughs> Yeah, no, it's important you get that right, and uh, and so it, it's good. Those LEDs have some uh, have some energy efficiency to them, and so like in your case, you can really dim those things down and uh, and get what you're looking for in there. It looks good, Daniel. Looks Thank really, you. really, looks really, really good. Anything else? Any other advice you'd give if if somebody was like all of a sudden now I want to put like LED lights underneath <laughs> my you know my shelves? That's a real common right. Oh, yeah. That's a real common look. Yeah, I it, might do that eventually too over with my bookshelf. Yeah. Where else where else would you put them? I've seen a lot of people put them like behind couches. Yeah. So to kind of shine up the walls that way where else? Well, you uh you can you can use stuff like this or just buy an outright bias light to go behind your TV so there's a slight glow behind your TV. You it's, it's supposedly yeah. better for your eyes if you're watching a screen in the dark. Yeah. Um I've uh since I have leftover strips I plan to, yeah, line my bookshelf with them eventually because right now when I've got the studio lights and everything on, my bookshelf is just this blackness back there. I've got mm -hmm. I've got my podcast award back there. You can't see it in the darkness. <laughs> and, and I've got cool little things yeah. back there, Lego yeah. things and, and stuff. You can't see it at all because it's so dark. So I'm thinking of adding some strips inside there and uh, also maybe just along the back of my desk to give kind of my, my desk that sort of bias lighting. Some of that just starts to get, well, I was going to say that starts to just get fancy, but as if this wasn't already <laughs> fancy back there. I don't know. This sounds kind of cool. I, I it, it, At first, you know, Tony asked me early in the show, are you going to set that up in the new studio? He, I, Daniel, the, there's a running joke. I can't say it too loud because my wife's on the other side of the, she wants to move and I'm dragging my feet. So like, I, I really don't want to move. So um, uh, I've been joking that, you know, the new studio uh, that we go to, but. Um, I'm actually in a pretty good spot here where I could, you know, I have a shelf here and a dresser. I don't need any of that stuff there. There's an, actually an open wall. I don't even have any drywall on it at this point. It's completely, I could, I could add all the wiring that I want behind the scenes, wire it all up that way, put the drywall on it with some 
outlets for each one of those panels and then install the panels right into Actually, the outlet, right? I'll tell you this. Yeah. Don't put up drywall. Oh, okay. Because you put the insulation in the wall yeah. and just put speaker cloth or, or some kind of oh. whatever you want over it. So, um, because if you put the drywall up, then you're creating a surface True. to reflect True. noise. True. And if you really want to have a noise-free environment and you don't need drywall, then you would get much better results by actually leaving it slightly unfinished with the insulation there and then just put the speaker cloth or something over the walls so that it looks good. And then it would be your whole wall would be an acoustic panel then. Yeah. But then I couldn't have the I couldn't have the contrast like in the panels true, that true. right that you have there. Although there's some probably different ways to do that. Yeah, you could do could some look. different things there. Like even uh, they, uh, you know, Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting and Ask the mm -hmm. Podcast Coach mm -hmm. has these, um, you know, the the lights that people get for outside to shine on their home. Mm -hmm. They make those things now in RGB and controlled by smart speakers. And I see these things go on lightning deals all the time on mm -hmm. Amazon. Mm -hmm. You could get a few of those, like mount them kind of like rack mounted lighting pointing down on your walls, maybe put a couple on the floor pointing up, and then you could color your entire wall with something. And yeah, you couldn't have the contrast of black, blue, black, blue, black, blue like this, but you could still do really cool things. Yeah. And by the way, I, I teased earlier, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this, why I regret going with all black is because if you're recording in a studio environment where you're doing lighting kinds of things with a webcam and such, having a very dark background makes automatic color exposure from webcams very difficult because the way mm. the red webcams typically work is they're looking at the overall scene and trying to expose it for that. So if, uh, if I was letting my webcam do automatic exposure, I would be bleached out like a ghost right now mm. because there's so much darkness in the scene. Mm. The other problem is, and I had to ch choose, I had to change my t-shirt uh, before doing this tonight, if I was wearing a black t-shirt, then you just see this floating head and it would look <laughs> really creepy. And I used yeah. to have this high back black, of course, chair behind me too. So I have to be a bit more conscious about yeah. the clothing I wear because everything behind me is black. Now, if it was white or a gray or something like that, I wouldn't have to be so concerned, but stuff disappears in mm -hmm. black. Stuff doesn't disappear in white, but it does disappear in black. So that's that's why I kind of wish I might have done something differently there. But then again, when I look at how I, I just like the black and the blue LEDs, I, I've been a big time fan of blue LEDs for, you know, I might have gotten it from the Daily Gizwiz podcast many oh, years wow. ago, if you wow. ever listened to that. I oh, remember, wow. yeah, Dick D. Bartolo from there yeah. once said something like, oh, I love anything if it's got a blue LED. <laughs> I think it was around that time that I realized, you know what? I think I do too. Blue LEDs are cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks good. I like it. It's a good, it's a good look. I, I you know, again, it's, I, I've always kind of gone with this kind of homey look. I've moved things around. I'm always shifting things around. I, lately I've been throwing a bunch of monitors up there just to kind of have something. haven't really thought about it, but this is gets me thinking a little bit. Kind of like, Oh, I could mess around. I'm, I'm in a spot where I could do it. I mean, yeah. but already people, I don't know if you've ever had that. If you have a home service person come in, like the guy who does, who sprays for the bugs, or like if I have a plumber come down to, you know, 
down downstairs. They come to the this office location. Now I've got eight monitors <laughs> and four. That's eight's yeah. just on the desk. And then there's four back here. And uh they're like, um, what do you do again? Yeah, what do you do here? I used to get that all the time too. The cleaning staff at the old office that yeah. you know, they go from office to office. It's like lawyers, massage parlors, lawyers, massage parlors, accountants, and just you know, the same old, same old, same old. And then they get to my office and they're like, Whoa. What do you do here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I had my own kids this morning. I dropped my kids off at the airport. So they they came over early, like 6.15, and I drove them in. And they came in, and I was working. I was waiting for them. So I was working on my laptop here uh, from work. And they, they were like, what do you do with all this, all these monitors? I had them all off so that, you know, they. I just was, I was just on the two work and computers. But um, I was yeah, like, and- yeah, no, I like, I like real estate. That's what I like. I like it, like screen space. And your look does look nice. It, it's a yeah, it's a completely nice. different look from my look. I, yeah. I would describe mine as probably edgy uh, modern or edgy high tech yeah. looking, and that's kind of just me. I tend right. to like that kind right. of thing. I've from a kid, you know, one of my favorite TV shows as a kid was Beyond Two Thousand, and I, I like that modern high tech sort of look. Yours is a very comfortable, very warming, very welcoming, still professional look. And, and I like that too. I, I see many different people have their, mm-hmm. you know, their studio look with different things. And yeah. some people, you know, have all of these cool little gadgets or toys yeah. or things on the yeah. background behind them. Yeah. And, and that, that stuff looks cool. And sometimes I just, I'm that kid who, when I got the opportunity to mix ice cream toppings or sodas or something like that. I mixed everything together and ended up <laughs> regretting it because I wanted to taste everything. Oh, you sound like one of my sons who used to do that all the time too. Yeah. I, we call it a suicide, right? When you would <laughs> mix all the sodas together or, or what, or all the, I, I, listen, I still like to go to quick trip. We have quick trip. You, you guys yeah. have quick trip. Right? Uh, no, we don't have them nope. here, but, uh, I do have the cups in my car for whenever yeah, yeah. I'm traveling through a place with a quick trip. And they've got all the slushy, yeah. they, have, they have all the slushy favorite That's why flavors. I carry the cups with me. <laughs> it's so good. So good. It's so much sugar. Like I'm, I am on a sugar high for weeks after I go. One, one summer, my wife was out, of, was out of the country and I had the two small kids with me. We were doing construction projects while she was gone. And every afternoon I would reward good behavior with the two by, going down to quick trip and we get slushies and man, I must've had about eight pounds of sugar through that, through that, that week of, of, you know, a slushy a day. It never ends. Daniel, thanks for, uh, thanks for suggesting, by the way, you, you, um, you jumped on, um, asked the podcast coach last week or two weeks ago, I guess now mm-hmm. again, gave us a little update there on your Mac as well. There's a little bit of an update. If you're only listening to the recorded show, we actually in the pre-show talked a little bit about his Mac. So if you're interested in, Getting kind of an update on some on some new hardware from Apple that's available in the pre-show. You can find that on the Patreon page. If you want to do that, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon uh, and subscribe. Love to have you as part of a supporter and thank everybody on our as a Patreon supporter for doing that as well. Don't forget, we have the September 24th. That's next week if you're, well, yeah, it's next week as we're recording this live. We'll have to have the Patreon subscribers out for that as well. Not too late. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. You can join us. Pre-show for the hour before the show, join in. We're just going to kind of have a good time together. And I want to get to know the Patreon subscribers a little bit better. So we appreciate you doing that as well. If you want to join us in the Discord group, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord, we'll get you there as well. 
course, you can always send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Always love your feedback. Appreciate that. Want to remind you that theaverageguy.tv, the, the both media and web hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners. If you want to get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust, and that's Christian, right? He's been doing this for 10 years with me. Uh, we we call that in the industry, we call that self-hosting. But Christian does a pretty good job of having a pretty decent infrastructure set up for us. And so you can get plans as little as $10 a month that get your web and media hosting together with plenty of power and a ton of bandwidth. MapleGrovePartners.com. Daniel, thanks for coming out tonight. Always great to have you. One more time, where do folks, like if folks want to find you, what's what's the best place to go to get everything? Go to theaudacitytopodcast.com. That's my podcast about podcasting. That links to all the other products and services I have. That's also where you can contact me if you want to send any questions and such. Uh, I will be trying to keep an eye on the comments for this episode as well on the show notes page in case you want to post any comments or questions there. And uh, so theaudacitytopodcast.com, my main site, and I'm on most social networks as the Daniel J. Lewis. And if they wanted to do any of those things we talked about at the beginning of the show, can they get to all the, your plugins and yep. all that other stuff through the Audacity to Podcast, all that stuff That's, there? It's okay. all there. Nice, near the top, easy to reach. All right, perfect. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv Live. Kyle Wilcox joining us uh, next week. He'll be on to talk about some. He's been doing some stuff in schools. We've got, he's got the, uh, what's the name of that camera? Uh, came on. That's the podcast coach. Me, Nemo? No. Now, we'll have to find out next week. You'll have to come out and find out what kind of camera he's been working on and some new stuff with his school. We'll see you next week. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.